All right, everyone, welcome to New Life. Glad you guys could be here with us. If you would find a seat, that would be extremely helpful. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you for joining us here in our main auditorium, and I want to welcome all of you that are down in our gym venue right now, worshiping with us live right now. So thanks a lot. I know that place is packed out, and we got a good group of people that are here today. Uh, this is the Sunday before Christmas. So seriously, if you didn't already, please look at the person right next to you. Smile with the biggest smile you've ever had in your life, and with loving eyes, tell them Merry Christmas. Just do that, okay? <clears throat> Just tell them Merry Christmas. Hold on, I see people kissing, all right? Uh, hold the horse. No, I'm just joking, just joking. If it's your spouse sitting next to you, by all means, by all means. Um, very good. Hey, listen, we've had a very uh, fun and exciting uh, December around here. If December wasn't busy enough, we decided to make it even more full. So you can thank us for that if you want to. Uh, no, just joking. <clears throat> we started out December, we talked about in our current teaching series, Christmas Past. We went back into the Old Testament. We looked at some of the scriptures that have to talk about Christ coming um, and the and the um, you know the prophecies of the fact that Jesus wasn't just an accident. Jesus was God's purpose, was God's plan, and He predicted it thousands of years before He ever sent Jesus. So we looked at that, and then we took a uh, brief break, and we had a wonderful Sunday where we celebrated Christmas, and our kids were up here, and they had their Christmas production, which, by the way, I thought they did a fantastic job, right? I mean, come on. If you missed it, you missed it. Um, But then, the week, then... The second service, Pastor Eric preached. It was a great message, you know. Um, people love it when he preaches. I've even heard it said that the, that uh, you know Pastor Eric is some of your favorites, and I don't I don't blame you. Um, he's fun, but he did a couple of things with puppets, and I just want to I just want to let you know that some of the things that he said with the puppets, we're still dissecting and looking at to make sure that they were doctrinally and the- theologically true. Um, and we're going to come out with a statement about that in 2014. Okay, so don't worry about it. Uh, it's all going to be cool. Uh, Then last week, I kind of took us in the next step of this current teaching series. We looked at Christmas presents. No, it wasn't about the presents that we give to each other. It's about the fact that this Christmas, Christmas 2013, how can you really make Christ the center of Christmas? Unfortunately, we live in a culture where even an article that I just read in the USA Today paper this morning, um, it uh, kind of stirs my heart in in a way that isn't a good way. Um, you know, to make Christ the center of Christmas is becoming seriously the, the cultural unnorm. Um, but if you want to be a person that follows Christ, Christ has to be the center of Christmas. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to do something kind of fun, actually, and exciting and thrilling. It's going to be a moment today where your heart's going to be stirred, and I believe your passion for God's going to be increased. You're going to be excited about the fact that Jesus is your King and Lord and leader, because we're going to actually look at Christmas Future. Yeah. What does it mean to spend eternity with God? What does it look like to have Christmas be every day? What would that look like? So, in light of getting ready for it, I know that this Christmas, many of you are going to have to cook meals for large groups of people, larger than you normally cook for. Let me see the hands of you that are going to be cooking meals for large groups of people, larger than you normally cook for. All right? All right, let me see those hands. Okay, very good. I want to say personally from myself, and hopefully this represents everyone in your family, Thank you. All right, because we know that you're going to you're going to slave over pots, pans, bakery items. Flour is going to be everywhere. It's going to be amazing, um, but it's going to be amazingly good. Thank you for doing that. But we also, I also know this: that whenever you try to plan a meal for a larger group than you normally cook for, 
you end up normally cooking more than you thought. And I want to encourage you to do that, all right? Because everybody likes leftovers. Come on. All right, if you like leftovers, high-five the person next to you. Come on. Everyone likes leftovers. We like leftovers. My wife, my wife and my mom always love leftovers. You know why? Because that's one more meal they didn't have to cook, right? I mean, come on. And we like leftovers because you can just get into the pots and pans and dishes inside of the refrigerator and scoop it out and eat it whenever you want to. It's Christmas. Come on. So, you're going to end up with leftovers. But how, how much leftovers are you going to end up with? You're going to cook this big meal. Do you, do you know exactly how many you're going to have? No, you don't know. Because you don't know. Is the crowd going to show up, you know, like crazy starving and eat all of your food? Or are they going to come, you know, from another party and come to your house and then they're only going to eat a little bit? You never know, but you do know you're going to have leftovers, right? All right. Hang on to that thought. Because that's very much in a crazy kind of a way, if you'll let me tie these two things together, it's very much like looking at the Bible and trying to predict what the future holds. That's kind of like leftovers. Here's what I mean. You're going to have them. You just don't know how much. There is a future with Christ. There is a, there is a heaven, if you want to refer to it that way. There is a place where you know, you'll spend eternity with God in heaven, or you'll spend eternity away from God, which is referred to as hell. That's coming, but we don't know all the details of it. So we know it's going to be there, we just don't know all the details of what's coming. So it's kind of like leftovers. You know you're going to have them. They're going to be good. You just don't know how much you're going to get. And today as we go through God's word looking at Christmas future, what it means to have Christ the center of every day, you just need to know. I'm not here trying to tell you every single detail that's going to happen. In fact, I'm going to go through God's word and grab a hold of the things that you know, we're, we're fairly certain of based on God's word and the clarity of God's word. And I'm going to stay away from the other pieces because there's no need for it. it. It's not necessary. I mean, a lot of people are excited about, they get in, enthroned with, they get like intrigued with the, the life to come after this life. In fact, they spend hours and hours searching books like Daniel and Revelation and searching the things that Jesus said. And they're just, they toil over that. That's where they just kind of land and they seem to find their attention on focusing on the king of the future. I remember even in my own life, my own life, when I was a kid, my parents bought me a Bible on tape. You guys remember cassette tapes? Yeah, you remember those things? They got that little tape, it spins both ways, you stick it in. Okay. It was better than 8-track, right? Because it was just smaller, you could actually put it in your pocket. Um, well, anyways, they bought it for me, and there, there's one tape in that whole series that stopped working early, and that was the tape on the book of Revelation. <laughs> because, like, every night I would play my little tape player, and I'd play the book of Revelation, because it was a dramatized version, and, and the book of Revelation has some serious, cool, drama, dramatized pieces of it. Big music in the background. The narrator's voice was awesome. It just blew me away. I wish somebody would have woke me up, though, and, and helped me realize if any tape in the whole Bible series is going to break, it probably shouldn't be the tape of Revelation. It should be a tape of, like, the book of John or the book of Mark or the book of Luke. Studying, looking at what Jesus has to say. If there was any tape I could go back and say, I wish a tape broke, I wish it was one of those. But that's because we're intrigued with these kind of things. And I want to tell you today, 
I'm not going to try to predict all the pieces, but I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to inspire hope inside of you. But if you're out there, I just want to warn you, if you're out there and you're listening to podcasts or, you know, different communicators or teachers, and they are telling you that they know everything about the future and they can predict all things and that, you know, every detail of what's to come, you know, they know it. I'm just telling you, be leery. Watch out for those all right, because we don't know all things. There's mysteries of the future that God has hidden away in his heart. In the providential plan of God, he's going, have faith in me and trust me. But I'm going to give you enough that's going to stir hope inside of you. I'm going to give you enough that you can just rally the troops to know that I am the king and I sit on the throne and I will forever be in control. So what we're going to do is over these next 35 minutes, we're going to watch a Christmas miracle take place. All right, you ready? The Christmas miracle is this. We're going to dissect eternity in 35 minutes. Yeah. And um, if it all works out as planned, it'll be a Christmas miracle. One thing I know about the future is that Christmas is going to radically and massively change. In this life, we celebrate Christmas once a year. We celebrate the coming of Christ once a year. But in heaven, you will be with the one who came every single day. And I want you to know what the Bible says about Christmas future because I believe it's going to strengthen you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to inspire your spiritual journey to make Christ the king and the leader and the Lord of your life. So let's start out by looking at a very famous passage of scripture that a lot of people know. Even some of you that are here today that are friends and family. Um, and maybe right now you are, you're not walking in a relationship with God. Even you will probably recognize this verse. So check it out. John 3.16. It says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and his only son, so that everyone who believes in him, and look, look at these next few words, right? Will not what? <clears throat> perish, but have eternal life. We won't perish, but we'll have eternal life. What does that really mean? And as we go through Christmas future, I want to help us all understand what it means to not perish and to have eternal life. So, there's a few things that we do know about the future. That is that the Bible has put together a a fairly clear set of events that are going to happen. And the first event that could take place at any given moment, at any at any time, whether it's today during our service or tonight while we sleep, is the rapture of the believers. That's to say the dead in Christ and those who are alive in Christ will at one moment, the Bible says when the trumpet sounds, will be caught up to meet Jesus in the heavens. Take a look at what these two passages have to say. The first one's in First Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then listen to this. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord, what? Forever. Forever. Some people look at passages, you know, like this. And, and the next one that I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians, and they go, these, this is just like an escape mentality of the church, isn't it? This is just you trying to like escape something that's bad, or just to escape and get away from everyone. This is like a, you know, I'm better than you kind of passage, isn't it? Well, take a look at what this next one has to say as we dissect that. 1 Corinthians, it says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, 
when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. It's not about escaping something. This is not a like, this is not like you in the, you know, uh, in Walmart and you're, you remember when your kids were toddlers and they're there and you got that special cart where two of them can sit in the same, the same seat. Wasn't that awesome? So they could really just beat up each other. It was amazing. I can't put one seat in the front, one seat in the back. But nevertheless, that's where they are and they're all strapped in. You got it all perfect and they're toddlers and you're walking through and you have a strategic plan to get all the shopping done and to avoid two special aisles, the toy aisle and the snack aisle, right? But inadvertently, you make a wrong turn and you end up in the toy aisle. And then all of a sudden, it's like bloody murders taking place. And your kids are screaming as if someone's beating them. Because you won't put every single toy they see into the cart. Remember those days? Wow, weren't those awesome? And everyone's like coming and looking down the aisle at you going, Wow, those are horrible parents. I can't believe those guys. Man, listen to those kids. Someone's beating them. And then over the sound system comes, Attention all shoppers, please avoid aisle 12. There is a disaster in aisle 12. And you're like, I know, I know. And you just want to like snap your fingers and you want to escape. The rapture of believers is not about escaping. I am actually a little torn as your pastor about the rapture of believers. Because it is a blessed hope. It is a day that I'm looking forward to that I will spend eternity with God not just for a few days, but forever. But the other side of me is torn because I realize that's the last day that I'm given on this earth to share the hope and the glory of who Jesus is so that a friend, a family member, a co-worker, or a stranger might come to know Jesus because I, I helped them understand who he was. That's the last day. You are given another day. When the trumpet sounds and those who are dead or those who are alive who have made Christ the Lord and leader of their life, Christ the center of their Christmas, Christ the king of their today, are caught up to meet him in the air. That's it. It's over. There isn't another day for you to effectively communicate the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because the bottom line is, at the rapture of the believers, we are with the Lord forever. Now that's awesome. But I just want everybody I love and I care about to be there with me. Amen? And if you're here today and you're wrestling with, are you going to make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life? Let me tell you today, my heart goes out to you. I want to help you understand what it means to make Jesus the Lord and leader. If you have questions today, please email them to me. Call the church. I'll talk with you. Our staff is open to do that. Today, I'm going to invite you later just to make Christ the Lord and leader of your life. I want you to be thinking about that throughout today's message. Because I don't want you to miss out on a moment of being with the Lord forever. This rapture of the believers triggers something that happens here on earth. The Bible talks about it as the tribulation, which in a nutshell, this really means it's seven years where an antichrist, one who is anti everything that God established and stands for, rises up and says, you know, you know what, guys, here's what's going to happen. Um, I am I'm going to show you how we fix all these things. And you're going to think of me as the greatest leader ever. And then you know what, you're going to start following me. And as you start following me, I'm going to ask you to start worshiping me. And then as you start worshiping me, I'm going to tell you, you got to take this mark. And without this mark, you can't buy, sell or travel. And by the way, this mark is not just so that you can do those things. This is a mark that says you believe in me and you're following me. And this Antichrist is going to raise up and, and control the, uh, the issues of our planet and what's happening. And during those seven years, those who have been caught up with Christ are meeting with him. And there's a party going on and there's a celebration because Christ is the king forever. And it's awesome. But at the end of that tribulation time is something that you've thought about, you've read books about, you've seen movies about it. Um, it's called the Battle of Armageddon. 
All right, the Battle of Armageddon is not just a movie. It's not just a book that was written. It's not just something to intrigue yourself with. The Bible says this battle will take place, and it takes place somewhere in in the north-central part of Israel. But when this event takes place, it spurs on the next big opportunity, the next big event that happens, that Christ is the center of of our Christmas of the future. And that is referred to as the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. See, this Christmas... You and me are celebrating the fact that God sent his only son in the form of a babe. But the second coming is the coming of Christ that comes as a a powerful warrior. A warrior riding upon a horse with an army, coming to a battle. A battle that's not just against men. Oh yeah, men are, are defeating one another and slaughtering one another. But it's also a battle against the very presence and power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at the Battle of Armageddon. This is what Revelations 19 has to say about the second coming of Christ. Listen to this. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. That's a name for Christ. And he judges fairly, and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. Have you ever heard that title given to anyone? That title was given to Christ in the New Testament. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, and they followed him on white horses. In one quick moment, the Bible depicts this second coming of Christ as a moment when Jesus shows up with this, with this army of those dressed in fine white linen and he destroys the armies of the world and he puts down forever the Antichrist, that one who rose up to try to deceive the nations and men away from God. In one instant, in one moment, he's put down. It's also thought, common thought, that those who were dressed in the pure white linen were those who were raptured to be with Christ, who are coming back with him, riding with him as pure, as white. Why? Because Jesus, the one who gave his life and his blood was shed for you and me, and whose robe, that passage says, was dipped in blood, has made us pure and has made us white and has made us clean from the sins that so easily entangle us on this earth. The second coming of Christ, radically different than the rapture of the believers. The rapture of the believers, the Bible talks about being caught up to meet with him. The second coming of Christ is Christ, literally his feet, coming back, touching this earth, and proclaiming himself as King of kings and Lord of lords forever and forever. When that happens, I needed to do something for you today. I needed to help you understand when that happens, what takes place with Satan himself. Take a look at what this passage has to say in Revelation 20. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and he bound him in chains for a thousand years. Now, why bring that up when we're talking about Christ being the center of Christmas, Christ being the, the center of Christmas future? Why bring that up? Because I need to help you understand something today. If you're here today and you're finding temptation destroying your life, if you're here today and you feel like hell itself is against you, if you're here today and you feel like Satan has the authority and the power to continue to deceive you and you'll never find freedom, you need to wake up for a moment and realize, smell the coffee if you will, right? Realize what this passage says. In the end... When Jesus comes back in that second coming, there isn't some massive battle that takes place between Jesus and Satan. 
Right? It's not like some old human video that you've seen. You know, with people acting it out on the stage and some big battle and they're laying blows on each other and it's going on and on and on and Jesus is getting wore out and then all of a sudden with his final last swing he knocks out Satan. It's not like that at all. In fact, it's very much like this. God the Father goes, Okay, well, now it's time to take care of Satan. Um, you, you, angel. Yeah, no, you, you angel right there. Come here, come here. And pulls him over and goes, listen, I got a special assignment for you. This chain and this key, would you go down there and would you lock up Satan? I got it. Boom, goes down, locks him up, puts him away, and it's done. It's final. It's over. What does that tell you about the Christ of Christmas future? He's powerful. He has ultimate authority. He is not only the king of our future, he wants to be the king of your today. And that he has authority with the flick of his pinky to put Satan where he belongs. He doesn't have to even go himself. He sends one of his messengers. He sends an angel. And if he has the authority to do that in the future, he has the authority to do that in your life today. That's who he is. That's the king that we're serving. That's the king that we're worshiping. And this second coming of Christ kicks off a moment of time that normally gets, it typically gets overlooked by a lot of Christians, but it kicks off a thousand years with Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Check this out. On this very earth. Hold on. Time out. I thought heaven was in some place that was, you know, going to be way different. You know what? Listen, heaven is wherever God is. Heaven is eternity spent with God, and God can pick and choose wherever He wants to spend eternity with you. Because He's the King. You don't get to call the shots. He decided, I started here, I'm coming back here, and I'm establishing my kingdom right here with my people who serve me and love me, and who today made me the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of their life, and decided that Jesus was going to be the center of their Christmas in 2013. And so I'm coming back right here. We refer to that, the Bible calls it, the millennial reign. Check out what verse, uh, what chapter 20 of Revelation has to say about this thousand years with Jesus as king right here. It says, Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for, and for pro, um, proclaiming the word of God. Pause for a moment. Who are these people? These are the people that gave their life during this tribulation period of time. Rapture of the church happened. Their hearts were bent away from God. And then all of a sudden they woke up and they realized, you know, I was at New Life that day. That Sunday before Christmas where that crazy guy preached that message. And he told me about this was going to happen. But I decided I was going to live my life the way I wanted to. God says the provision, the provision of his grace still abounds even in the midst of the wickedness of a tribulation. But it talks about those individuals paying, paying with the price of their life. It even uses the word and the depiction of those being beheaded. It says that they had not worshipped the beast or his statues, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. It came back. God says, I'm the king, I'm king on this earth again, and I choose to say that you, you were faithful over these last seven years, and you gave your life, come back to life, and you reign with me as king and savior and lord of this earth. I love you, you are my people. But then, says that this is the first resurrection, that the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. The rest of the dead. Who's the rest of the dead? Who's he talking about? He's talking about all of those thousands years ago, 2,000 years ago, who 
died who decided Christ wasn't the leader of their life, all the way to those who gave their life at the second coming of Christ, who decided, I'm going to live my life for me. Jesus, he doesn't matter. He doesn't mean anything. I'm going to live my life to please me. Um, it's all those people. And he says, those just stayed dead, timeless. The next thing they know is something that's to come in the future. It says, blessed and holy are those who share in this first resurrection. For them, the second death, which I'll talk about in a moment, holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. That's what I want you to get. I want you to get the fact that Jesus is going to be the king on this earth for a thousand years. And those of us who have given our lives to him and are following him will reign with him. Jesus will be the king on this earth and the king of his people. What in the world will that look like? Sounds to me like you go to the beginning of the Bible and God says, here I was and I walked with Adam and Eve. And it sounds like what he started with, he wants to end with. Those are his bookends. Because that's what I intended for you. And that's what I'm going to allow you to experience. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to transform your life. What will it be like to have Jesus, the King and the Lord and the leader on this earth? That means it will be a place of total peace. Total peace will reign over the earth. You know what else will reign over the earth? Safety will reign over the earth. Because Jesus is in control. Prosperity reigns over humanity. Because Jesus is the king. Justice reigns over humanity because Jesus is the Lord on the throne, reigning on this earth. And then ultimately, everyone on this earth will be in perfect unity that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's an awesome day. I don't want any of you to miss it. I don't want any of my family or friends to miss it. There should be something that beats inside of us right now that just goes, man, I want to be there. I don't want to miss that. And, you know, I want everyone I love to be there as well. It should drive you to action. It should drive you to hope. It should drive you to say, man, yeah, it's awesome. At the end of that thousand years, an event happens that's pretty popular in your mind and your heart. It's called really the final judgment. Revelation chapter 20 talks about it quite a bit. But it deals with the fact that those who were dead now have been brought back. And now they're standing before Christ. Those who are dead and all of those who are, who are alive, they're standing before Christ in this final judgment to have their lives evaluated. Is your name found in the book of life? Those names who were not found in the book of life, God says, depart from me because I never knew you. That's the second death. You died once on this earth. The second death now is to spend eternity away from God. But those in the final judgment at the end of that thousand years, that's names who are found in the book of life, Those, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you may enter into my rest. What is that? What is that place? What does that look like? Well, it's talked about in Revelation 21. It's called the new heaven and the new earth. Take a look at what Revelation 21 has to say. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. It had disappeared. Do you know the Bible talks quite a bit about this? In Revelation chapter 21 and 22. If you want to read about it, I would encourage you to. It's a phenomenal place. It's an amazing place. It's like no place you've ever seen before. It's not like Earth. It's not like our solar system. It's not like our universe. You know, it says in there that in Revelation 21, it says that in this new heaven and new earth, there will be no sun or moon because there won't be a need for it. We don't need something to, you know, emit light. We don't need something to reflect light. It says that God himself will be the sun. Yeah, that's right. No more scary nightmares. No more kids running into your bedroom. I'm scared. It's dark outside. There's a monster under my bed. No. 
God is the light, and everywhere that God is in the new heaven, new earth, He emits light. He is awesome. It also says, which might surprise some of you, that there is no temple in the new heaven and new earth. It just says it right there. Bam. No temple. It says that God is there and that God is the temple. You know how I interpret that to be? There won't be any Sunday morning church. That's probably what it's going to be. There won't be a need for Sunday morning church. God will be there. He is the king. He rules. There is no temple because he is the temple. But here's another great thing. There won't be any evil because there is no Satan. He's been bound, locked away by the the pinky flip of God and the command and the authority of the king. What an amazing place. What a place full with hope. What a place that, you know, just makes you kind of go, man, how can I make my Christmas future be filled with Jesus as the king of my life? Well, you can do that by starting to invest into God's kingdom. God's kingdom isn't something that's going to come. God's kingdom is something that very much is alive today and it rules and reigns inside of many of our hearts today. And you can invest into that kingdom of Jesus being the Lord of your life, Jesus being the king of your life, you being in complete submission to him, him being your ultimate authority. You can do that, but this is what I want you to do. Invest into God's kingdom by making sure that you are a part of Christmas future. That you aren't the one that's living selfishly right now outside of God's kingdom. But you live to be there. You live to experience it. You live for what Christmas of the future has for you. And you can do that by making Jesus a part of your everyday. Not just a part of your Christmas. Not just a part of your Easter. Not just a part of your Sunday. But making Jesus a part of your everyday. You can do that by making Jesus your king today. Think about it with me. Back in England, a king, what would, what would we be? We would be the subjects to the king. We would be servants to the king. A good king would love his people. A good king would provide for his people. A good king would hear the concerns of his people. A good king would be looking out for ways he could bless his people. Let me tell you something today. Jesus is that good king. And you don't have to wait for the king of the kingdom to come in the future for him to be the king of the kingdom of your heart today. You don't have to wait. He can be that. And you can find great security, comfort, joy, and peace by submitting yourself to him. But also, make Jesus the leader of today. You make Jesus the leader of today, he'll be the leader of your future. You make Jesus the leader. Let him get in front of you. And let him say what he said to all those disciples. He goes, come and follow me. That's the same words that Jesus is speaking to us today. He's saying, come, follow me. Meaning, I want to be your leader What I say, you follow. Where I go, you go. And that's something that God's looking for out of our lives. Will we allow him to do that? How do you let Jesus be the king of your today so he's the king of your every day? How do you allow him to be the Lord of and the leader of today so he's the leader of every day? You have to come to him right now with the attitude that says, I'm just willing to give all that I have to you. Everything I have. And in a minute, we're going to worship. God's looking for, are you giving me all of your worship? Or is this just a token worship? He's looking for something that comes from the depths of your heart. Something that comes from deep on the inside. Something that says, I have no reserves set aside. That as I worship you, I'm spending the best that I have. I'm not saving the best for later. But I'm going to celebrate with the best. I'm going to humble myself with the best. It means by coming to God's word and saying, God, I want your word to speak deep into the core of who I am. I'm going to read your word to apply it to my life and follow it. 
That's how I'm going to give it all to you. I'm not going to pick and choose the things that just make me happy or the things that I enjoy or just the things I like. But God, I'm going to take the whole thing and some of it's going to hurt. Some of it's going to be painful. Some of it's going to challenge me. But that's okay because I want to look more like you. God, when I come to you in prayer, I'm going to come giving it all. I'm not just going to come asking for things. I'm going to come in prayer proclaiming you as my Lord and leader. I'm going to come and just worship. In fact, I'm going to come and just close my big mouth and just be quiet and listen. That's giving my all in prayer. Not just coming and having to say a bunch of things to God or go through some ritualistic prayer or, you know, having to speak all the time and tell God all the things that he needs to be doing. Part of giving it all and making him the king and leader of your life is coming and listening to him. It's living for Jesus every day. This is no game. It's no game I'm talking about today. There is a reward and there is a price. I want you to live for the reward. I don't want you to live to see how much you can get away with and get the reward. I want you to live experiencing the fullness of God's reward, the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his peace for your life, the fullness of making Christmas this year Christ-centered, the best that it can be. You know what I want? You know what I want? You know what it's in the heart of God as well? Is that you would hear a message like this and your heart would be stirred and you would go, you know what, I don't want to just make sure that I'm a part of Christmas future. I want to make sure that all my friends and all my family are part of Christmas future. I want to share my faith with the people I love the most. I want to not give up on them. I want to keep praying for them. I want to keep believing in them. I want to keep sharing the hope that I find in Christ with them. I want to figure out how I go and spend eternity with God. Christmas forever. Christmas every day. Christ, the center of every single day. I want that moment to be for everyone I love and I care about. May that be. May that be because you live a contagious Christianity. May that be because you live so contagious that the world can't help but say, I want to live like you do. And when they're down and out and they don't know where else to turn, they know they can come to you because you are a person of hope. You're a person of belief. You're a person of faith because you're living beyond this earth. You're living because the king is not just the king of today, but he's the king of your every day. That kind of courageous And contagious Christianity is what the world's looking for. They're looking for someone that believes that Jesus is the king on the throne right now. It's easy to believe in the future when Jesus literally sits on the throne. Everybody's going to believe. It's way different to believe today when Jesus sits on the throne that you physically can't see and you believe with everything inside of you and you live your heart for him. Let that be the kind of hope that's contagious inside of you that causes other people to know about Jesus. And if you struggle with sharing your faith, then what I want you to do is do something very profound. You go into the book that talks about all of our life groups that Roger talked about earlier. You flip through it and you find the class that's going to happen that talks about how to share your faith. It's revolutionary. It's a class that actually deals with how to share your faith. It'll help you. It'll help you. It'll be amazing. You'll love it. It's going to be 10 weeks long. I want to encourage you, take the class. It'll help you become more confident and secure in sharing your faith. Well, lastly, what does a message like this do? Does it stir hope inside of you? Which, by the way, I have one minute and ten seconds left. I just talked about eternity in 35 minutes. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, thank you for applauding for that. Yeah, I can tell who my friends are. But what does it do? Does it stir hope inside of you? Is there a passion inside of you? Does it make you just want to worship the king of kings right now, right where you are? Or does it stir concern and fear 
and intimidation. Like, man, I've heard those things before and I know that my heart is not ready. But today your heart can be ready. No matter where you are, whether you're here in our auditorium or you're down in our gymnasium, your heart can be ready. And it's as simple as you just taking your life, submitting it to God and saying, God, I want you to be my Lord. I recognize that my life is full of sin and it hasn't been obedient to you. But I want my life to follow you. I want you to be my king of today and my king of every day. I want you to be the center, the Christ of my Christmas today. And I want you to be the Christ of my every day in the future. It's about giving him your life, submitting yourself, confessing your sins to God, and inviting him to be the king and the leader of your life. You can do that as I pray. And after I pray, our worship teams are going to lead us. And they're going to inspire us and encourage us just to worship the king of kings with everything that we have. And I want to encourage you, spend everything you have. Give the greatest Christmas gift you could give this year and give your life completely to Jesus. So why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, in this auditorium, down in our gym, those who are listening online, but today you're inspiring people with your word. You're reminding them that nothing is impossible to you. That Lord, you are way, way bigger than the issues we deal with on this earth. That you have way more authority and power than Satan will ever have. Lord, you are the king right now. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You sit on the throne right now. And Lord, you want to sit on the throne of our hearts. If we'll only invite you to come in. If we'll only invite you to be that leader and to be that Lord. Father, you're not just wanting us to see how much we can get away with on this planet and spend eternity with you. You're wanting us to see how much we can give you. So that... We recognize you as king, supreme king today, king of every day. Lord, come and meet with those that are here today, that heart, their hearts are pounding. They sense that drawing of your spirit going, come to me. I can be your refuge. I can be the one that sets you free. I can be the one that delivers you. Let my authority, let my love, let my power wrap my arms around you and deliver you and set you free from the sin that so easily entangles you. God, you're doing that right now in this place. You're coming to, Lord, firm, strong believers, and you're stirring in their hearts. Never forget the fact that, Lord, your kingdom reigns and it rules forever. So many times we get busy in this life and we forget that there is a kingdom, and the kingdom's at work right now in the heavenlies, but it's also at work in our hearts. Lord, we would come and we would humble ourselves to you. And we would lift up our voice and we would lift our hands to you today. We would turn our faces to heaven. We would join with the angels as they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. May we be those people. May we fill this house. May we fill these auditoriums with the praise of our powerful, almighty God, who was and is and is to come, who is the king today and is the king of our Christmas future. In Jesus' name. Amen.